you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 56 of the Wulong Talks podcast. Uh, it's great to have you back with us again. Hi, my name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know. And as always, I'm joined by the Wrestling Kid, aka Rich Kid. Rich Kid, say what's up, man. Yeah, what's happening, man? And we have a very special guest joining us today as well. Um, we're delighted to have him on the show. Um, and our special guest is Dan from Dan's Distillery. Dan, what's say good? what's up, man. What's, what's up? What's up? Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to have you on the show with us. Uh, we love having guests on on the show, and um, you know, it, ever since I, I kind of started following you on Twitter, which I think was about a year ago, maybe or something yeah, like I that. Think so, yeah, yeah, I've I've always kind of seen your your tweets and stuff, and then I saw your um, a few of the videos that that you did mm. um, on your YouTube channel and things like that, and I was like, wow, this guy seems kind of cool, man. We got to get him on the show. <laughs> And then it for some reason twelve months passed and I never <laughs> got around yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know how it is. I know it is. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a mad one. But anyway, yeah. as I said, man, it's it's great to have you on as well. Man. So yeah, thanks, thanks very much. Yeah. yeah, you're very welcome. Um, but yeah, like I said we'll get started as as we usually do with what everybody's been up to. So, um, Rich, we've been doing since we last recorded, man. Anything fun? Anything geeky? How far you got uh, with Spider Man? Okay, we'll get we'll get to Spider Man in a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sensitive subject, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I I just I just want to put it out there, Dan. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like we've been following you on Twitter for like a year. Yeah. But I've been get I've been on Jason's case every single day for about mm. th- just to let you know that. Hey, Jay, let's get Dan on. So yeah, I'm just gonna throw that. I'm gonna throw that cheeky little lie in there. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say somebody's getting a trump on. <laughs> um, what have I been up to? Okay, let's. Okay, I'm gonna be honestly truthful. And um, yeah, Spider Man had to get sacked for a little bit. <laughs> like, I've got to, I've got to like a particular boss where I'm fighting against like the Vulture and Electro at the same time. Oh, yeah, I know. That one. It, yeah. yeah, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just one, hard. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Like, you know, like on the on the box where it says, yeah, be greater. And like, I got to that boss level and I said, no, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to be greater. This is like, I don't want to be a superhero anymore. This is too much work. <laughs> and so, um, so I've literally just gone back to playing Destiny 2, uh, the majority of the time with my brother and just, just banging that out. Um, just like a nice little, I like, I like Destiny 2. Like you can jump on it and you can like, you know, you know a nice little 45 minute like raid or shoot them up and, and just, you can kind of like just time yourself. So that's what I've been doing computer game wise. Um, film-wise, for the first time yesterday, just by chance, I watched Halloween 2, as in, like, the original Halloween mm, yeah. uh, produced by John Carpenter but not directed by. And I, for the longest time, I always thought I'd seen it because I've known how the film actually plays out and I've seen so many so many scenes from it. And then I was watching, like, obviously with the new remake coming out in a few days... I was watching like a little YouTube thing that popped up about it, about the history of Michael Myers. 
and I just realised it was the, actually the only one that I haven't seen. And I watched it last night, and um, I can understand why people like, really don't like it. I generally wasn't <laughs> impressed. It made shitloads of money in the cinema when it came out, which is fair enough. It's coming off, you know, coming off like a really successful first film. Um, but it's just one of those things that I wish I'd never seen it because what I thought I had seen and what I remembered was so much better than what I saw on the, <laughs> on the screen. Like, it, it was just, it was actually quite upsetting. And um, yeah, and, th- and that's about it. And obviously, just the whole buying of the comic books. I did like a little bit of a comic book run yesterday. Picked up like, you know, Doctor Strange, um, Shatterstar, some uh, Mr. and Mrs. X. And, and yeah, that, that's it. That's, that's about as, as geeky as I've been this week since the last time since we recorded. Cool, cool. Um, and Dan, how about you, man? What have you been up to? Me, um, apart from the usual boring stuff, just um, gaming, really. Um, obviously been playing Spider-Man. Um, I tried to milk that as much as I could. Um, but I finished yeah. it now. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I'm enjoying that game, man. I, I need the Listen, DLC. Listen, mate, I... don't rub it in. Don't <laughs> rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, that, that game is too, it's too good, man. It's too good. But... Um, yeah, that and I got um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z for the Switch recently as well, so I've been banging that out. Um, yeah, just just gaming really. I, I watched watched a few movies recently. I saw Venom. Um, I don't know if you guys you guys have seen it. I refused. You refused to see it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've seen things, it. Yeah. It was one of those things where I thought, all right. The reviews came out, they were bad, and then I saw some people saying it was actually good, so I thought, you know what, I need to make, make up my mind for myself, I need to watch it. Um, I didn't want it to happen, like the movie itself, but I watched it, I wish I didn't, but you know, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those movies, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's watchable, but it ain't great. Hmm. Yeah, that was, my, that was my verdict. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I've seen it as well, and I did a, a review for the the channel and yeah. um yeah i was i was just i, I wasn't scathing but I, mm. I was just like i don't get this film i really don't get it i mean i, yeah. I went to watch it with uh, a friend of ours mm. and um you know she really enjoyed it she was like oh you know it's it's so stupid i, I can kind of laugh at yeah. it so yeah. she got fun out of it in that regard mm. but um for me you know i find it hard to enjoy some of these comic book movies when you know, the bar is, is, we're in a world where the bar is so high now in terms of what you can do with a comic book movie and the yeah. kind of movies that we've gotten, that it feels like to kind of try and slide these these films in through the back door is is just not acceptable, man. Yeah, like, exactly. not at all. Like, you know, you can do better than that. Like, we're in a world where, you know, we've got Avengers Infinity War and, and Black yeah. Panther and, you know, we've got, like, quality films. Like, we, we don't need this cack anymore. Like, just... <laughs> You know, just just stinking the place out, but yeah, for real. Yeah, that that was really my take on Venom. But um, yeah, I mean, aside from that, it's funny you brought up Venom because the the only thing really that I've been doing is is because this is to show you how nerdy I am. <laughs> I've been actually watching like a, a lot of YouTube videos about the background behind um, Sony and their decision making with regards to Spider Man because. Okay. Um, there's been some talk that you know with Venom being a, a, a potential box office success, yeah. although you know we we still have to wait and see how it holds up this weekend. Um, there's been talk going around that Spider-Man, you know, may be 
returning to Sony possibly in a sense oh, okay. that, you know, right. people have floated this idea that Sony yeah. may decide that they don't need their partnership with the MCU anymore right. if Venom continues to make money on its own. Um, so I've been watching a few kind of videos about the background behind that. And mm. boy, oh boy, I really hope that doesn't come to <laughs> Sony well, don't yeah. seem to know what they're doing, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've heard that um, apparently because they're making the Craven movie, aren't they? They are. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've heard that. I've heard that it's meant to be linked <laughs> to the MCU. I don't know if you've heard that. Yes, that was so, the uh, one that's going around as well. Yeah. So it would it would be an MCU movie instead of a Sony movie, which I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. I guess you know mm. if they could bring him into the MCU and because I would like to see him like against like Spider Man, Black Panther. Mm. Hold on, 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 hold on. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> they're making they're making the film about Craven. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, Craven, apparently so, Craven, yeah. Craven the Hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not Marvel. That's Sony. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sony. That's Sony. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sorry, mm. carry on. <laughs> yeah, no. That, that, if, if they if they could bring him to the MCU, that's the only time I'd really want to see that. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, they're doing that, and uh, like a Morbius movie as well, and it's like. They're just trying to milk, milk the Spider-Man franchise. And... Yeah, well, that's the that's that's their cash cow at the yeah. moment. It's the you know it's their golden egg, so they they're trying to fleece it for all it's worth, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some of them videos that I, I've seen have said that kind of explain the the political situation at Sony and like it all seems like it's internal power struggles and and you know one person wanting one thing, one person wanting another, and. Mm. You know, remarkably similar to the situation with Warner Brothers and DC, basically, behind the scenes, in that there's just too many different factions who all want to kind of do their own thing and, and no kind of singular focus and no leadership. And yeah, yeah it's, it's all just sounding a mess. But anyway, I'm sure listeners, you know all of that already. So um, <laughs> we won't go on about that no more. Um, but yeah, Dan has said it's a pleasure to have you with us, man. We've we've seen you from afar and, um, you know, we've we've always kind of want to connect with with people especially people yeah. here in the uk who who yeah. are you know who are really into um geek culture and into the different aspects of it um how did you kind of get into um sort of vlogging and things like that i mean was that something that so, you kind of always knew you wanted to do or, or? no so well all right so oh man this is so going back it's going back like a while like when i was back in college because mm. um, I was always like I was always I've always been a big gamer and um, I remember I used to go out and I used to buy like computer magazines and all that and I've, I thought to myself one day I would love to write for one of these magazines mm. so um, I just started um, started up a blog and I just started writing about games like Nintendo games and stuff like that mm. and I thought like I'd start my own um, like Facebook page like Twitter page things like that and, and it got quite a big following um, so I was doing that for like quite a few years, like just writing about games. And then I thought, obviously, like sitting around with friends, we're talking about movies, we're talking about TV series as well. And I just thought, well, let me just expand it a little bit. And um, that's kind of how Dan's Distillery came about. It was just like, just trying to encompass like all the sort of geeky things out there, gaming, comic books, cartoons, all that. And just putting it into one sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I only really started maybe on the movies at the end of 2017 or something like that. Mm. So it's like quite, quite recently, um, I started doing like reviews and things like that. But, um, yeah, no, I've, I've just always sort of loved 
love that sort of geek culture, you know? Mm, mm, okay. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's funny because, I mean, when um, from our side, you know, me and Rich have, um, have long been kind of fans of, of, of comic books and, mm. and movies and, and gaming as well. Um, and we've never really kind of known like how to express that really. Yeah. Um, and it was something that we kind of, the two of us always knew we, we wanted to do, but we didn't really know like how to do it at, yeah. at the time, you yeah. know? Um, and as Rich will tell you, you know, we're, we're no spring chickens. So like for us, when we started, you know, kind of really getting into to talking to each other about comic books and, and things like that, there was really not the, the access to technology that, that we have now and, and yeah, to social yeah. media now. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a, a, a weird situation for us really. But um, Rich, I mean, you always tell the, the story best. So, to, so um, you might as well tell Dan and the <laughs> listeners about how we kind of, came up with this thing yeah well i mean i mean the, the thing is is like that that's this is how me and jason actually became became friends mm. i was literally just like just the, you know the quiet geek just kept myself to myself and jason was like you know like <laughs> he was like the road man <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah the baggy trousers on the, you know the, the the heli hanson jacket on you know, like, and the braids lies so... listeners lies this <laughs> you know so... i'm a good <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be using certain words and if you don't know what those words are she's too young for you bro <laughs> <laughs> so the first so the first word is heli hansen so that should show you how old um, we really are and um literally we i just we were in the same math maths class and uh and i just ended up i think i came into maths class one day and i had the, i was reading like an issue of x-men um and it was around the period when joe maggiero was like a like the hottest artist in in you know, the hottest artist, artist in general, and you know Jason was like, oh, you read comic books, and I was like, yeah, like you know, I love the X Men, and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I watch it on you know on on the TV, and and I, and I read comic books from time to time as well, and and that's basically how we struck up a friendship, and um and I mean that's like ninety ninety five, yeah, ninety five, mm. um, and then years later, obviously, like you know. You know, we're still doing the whole geeky thing. We love going to see films and go to comic books and conventions and, and things like that. And um, and then one day I ended up going to like my local comic book store, which is um, or not Orbital. What's it called? It's called Gosh, which is just off off Berwick Street in Central London. And uh, it was they had some promotion for the um original Sin storyline, which which ran through Marvel a couple of years ago. And it and basically it came off the the, the premise that somebody had killed the watcher of the Marvel universe. Mm. And I literally just walked in there, saw the poster and it said, yeah, who killed the watcher? And I looked at the guy behind, behind the counter and I was like, Oh yeah, it must be Nick Fury. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's Nick Fury. Like he's, <laughs> he's like the man who knows everything. That's number one. Um, the watcher knows everything and Nick Fury knows everything. So there must be a secret that must be held. So it, number one, it has to come down to those two. Number three, um, Nick Fury in the cinematic Marvel universe is is Nick is, um, is Samuel Jackson, and at this point there hadn't really started to be any form of like you know uh, like links to the way how the comic books and the MCU are. Mm. There was they were quite they were quite different things. Like now, if you read the comic books and you watch the films, you can see that, that they're quite similar, especially when it starts coming towards say like a like a, a summer event. So for example, we just had an Infinity War. And in the comic books, now Infinity War is now happening. But I could see this coming a mile off. And he just looked at me and just like, 
wow, that's like, you just got that from the poster. And I was like, yeah, like it just, it just <laughs> makes sense. I end up going to LA for holiday, on holiday for two weeks. And I come back and literally as I step into, um, uh, into, into the comic book store, like he doesn't even let me come in. Like he runs up to me and he's like, listen, I'm really, really sorry. I've got to tell you now, um, but your idea, you know, I, I said it as like, a, as a, you know, just as like a little conversation starter and so, and they posted it. And I was like, start from the beginning. And I won't say the name of the website that he sent it to, but it's a very, very known website um, and easily one of the first websites, if not the first website that was set up that deals with geek culture, um, whether it be films, comic books, animation and so, and so forth. And what had happened is that he'd sent my theory to this to this website um, because everybody was talking about this whole thing about, you know, who could kill the watcher. And then um, the person who was in charge of the article basically just posted my theory and the guy who who sent who who I told uh, actually said that listen you're kind of taking a mick you're being a bit of a dick by posting a theory and trying to pass it off pass it off as your own mm. and he just replied with an email saying shh don't tell anybody <laughs> and um and when he told me like he was really apologetic and I was just like yeah don't worry about it you know it is what it is like you know if I if I I could have gone out there and, and said it myself and X Y Z and then we started going to like comic cons more and more I mean we were going to comic cons before that anyway. And I just started seeing people at Comic-Cons and in no way am I trying to be a bit of a dickhead, but I was like seeing people like who were just coming into the game and were getting inf- and, were, and, and were basically getting information wrong or going to certain people or, or listening to certain people and, and not really understanding the origin of this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like I'm a bit of a comic book snob. So for example, the one of the worst things that anybody can ever say to me, which luckily nobody has said recently, um, is oh when I was young I used to get Flash and Flash Gordon mixed up no fuck you they're two different characters two different powers <laughs> yeah like completely different right and so I was like Jay I reckon we should maybe see maybe try and start a platform mm. you know to try and get our voice out there like you know number one we, we were the only black people that were going to Comic Cons around that time anyway if not a very very very, very small minority yeah and Jay turned around and was like you know I've been thinking about the same thing anyway and it literally just kind of took off from there. And we just wanted to be able to like just express ourselves and and try and try and be a voice. Like you know, we wanted to be a voice for people that wouldn't normally be associated with this. Yeah. I mean, let, yeah. Let, let's be. I mean, let's be honest. Like you know, ten, fifteen years ago, if you were black and you read comics, you were like, "Raw, okay, you're you're kind of you're kind of different." Yeah. Now yeah. it's an, now it's an everyday thing. So it was that? But we also just wanted. To, we just basically wanted to have a platform where anybody could come in, whether you're black, white, you know male female transgender transvestite doesn't matter if this is what you like you can come and listen to us and we can just you know wax lyrical and just crack some jokes mm. and that's basically how that's basically how we started so yeah yeah that's cool yeah yeah man so um there you go listeners if you didn't know how we started now you know <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah let's crack on with uh some of these topics there's been a few news items that, that we're going to go over now listeners so we'll just chat about a few of these things. Um, as always, you can get involved in the conversation as well. We'll let you know how you can do that at the end of the show. But first and foremost, gentlemen, we are, ooh, God, how many hours is it now? Six hours away, I think, or about seven hours away, I would say, from the launch of Daredevil Season 3. Um, now, this is, you know, long been awaited and anticipated by people who are big fans of um, the Netflix series Daredevil um, I, I didn't check how many years it's been since Daredevil season two, but I think it's two years. 
that have passed. Um, I may be wrong on that, so please do correct me if I am. But um, yeah, you know, people have been waiting for this one. I mean, the last we saw of Daredevil was in uh, the end of the Defenders. Um, did you see the Defenders, Dan? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, you know, the last we saw of him was uh, bandaged up in what looked like um, some type of uh, religious institution, um, possibly a nunnery. Um, and you know, there was heavy kind of allusion to a a very classic, um, comic book series called Born Again, uh, by Frank Miller, which, uh, details Daredevil, um, kind of being reborn, I suppose, as, as the title says. Um, we don't know a lot about the series that is coming up so far, but, um, I'm super excited because Daredevil is one of my favorite characters. So I guess the obvious question to the both of you is, um, how are you feeling about Daredevil season three coming forward? Um, and Dan, you can go yeah. first, man. All right. Yeah, well, I, I, I love Daredevil. I think it's probably my favorite of the Netflix series. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely my favorite of the, of the series, of those, those bunch of series. Um, I'm glad to see the Kingpins coming back. Mm. He, he was like mm. my favorite thing of like series season one, um, and then the fact that I think they've got Bullseye coming in it as well. Yep. So um, yeah, it's just it's I think it's just going to be a really good, a really good series. I wasn't a big fan of the Defenders. I thought they could have done a bit better, mm. um, but I think like stripped back when it's just like the the heroes kind of on their own, it plays a lot better. And I think Daredevil is like a strong character that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it was, it was, it'll be a good series. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it as well. I mean, when we um, the Defenders came out, we, we did do a, a review of it on the channel. Mm. Um, and, you know, we were mostly positive about it. Um, there was a few kind of negatives. In, and I think having watched it a couple of times now, um, I probably would revise my opinion and say it's it's... You know, for me personally, it's still enjoyable on, on yeah. a level because I just was like, oh, my God, it's all these characters together at the same yeah. time on TV. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, you know, still in that frame. But if I step away from that and look at it as a whole, it's it's really not, you know, as great as I hoped it would be. Mm. Um, and certainly I think, you know, for me, the, the biggest problem I had with it was the hand, um, yeah. which is also a, the biggest problem I had with Daredevil season two, because... Um, you know, when it was Daredevil and, and Punisher, I thought it was phenomenal. But as soon as the hand got involved, I was just yeah. kind of like, oh, I God. thought the same. Yeah, I thought the same. Know, it, it, yeah. it just, the way they were handled just didn't feel right to me. And then we had the disastrous Iron Fist as well. <laughs> um, well, more on that later. But, um, you know, it, it, it really kind of took me out of it. So now we're going back to, to Daredevil versus the Kingpin. I think mm. that's really going to be. Um, something spectacular to see um, and the introduction of Bullseye as well as you said is, is something that fans have been saying from you know from the first season really they, yeah. they wanted to see it looks like we are finally getting him um, Rich before you give your thoughts on on what you're looking forward to could you just give people a, a quick breakdown of who Bullseye is from the comic books just so they understand who we're talking about okay yeah so basically I mean in a nutshell Bullseye is, is an, ass- an assassin for hire who, in better way of description, is uh, somebody who enjoys his job a bit too much. So you know how some people like to, you know, when it, once it comes by 5.30, they like to clock off. He is not, he is not that way. Um, 
He's so, about yeah, so, that life. Yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's about that life 24-7. <laughs> like, um, and yeah, and basically what it is is that um, he's uh, an assassin that's basically hired by, by Kingpin to take out, to take out Daredevil. And, um, and as much as Kingpin is, I would probably say, probably one of the greatest villains, if not the best villain for Daredevil, I think literally joint place would definitely have to be Bullseye as well. Bullseye's power um, is number one, he doesn't have any form of superpowers, so he's not superhuman and he's not a mutant. But through like years and years of basically practice, he, is, um, he has perfect aim, so he never misses. Well, he never misses until he meets Daredevil. Um, and basically, that's it. I mean, that, that's what it is. He, um, Kingpin basically hires somebody to take out Daredevil after he's just sick and tired of like, you know, just, you know, Daredevil just spoiling his, his plans like one too many time. Um, and, th- and that's after like, you know, he's hired people like Electra to ca- try and take out Daredevil and things like that. But um, I actually don't want to give too much away because mm-hmm. I, I think they're really going to touch from what I've seen in the trailers of the Daredevil season three, they're, they're going to be dealing with like Bullseye, how he was introduced in a comic book as well. So, I mean, I, what I've just said is basically what you've seen in the trailer. Um, but when you watch it, I mean, going by off the first two seasons of Daredevil, I, I don't think we're going to be disappointed. Hmm. But um, all I'm going to say is, if they're bringing in Daredevil, whatever you thought, like, choreography-wise or fighting-wise was good or amazing in the first two seasons, it's going to be a lot better and it's going to be a lot bloodier. And that's that's I can put money on that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, for sure, man. I think um, <clears throat> for me, you know, as as uh, somebody who was a, a big time fan of of Daredevil um, from about sort of the age of I think about uh, sixteen, probably was was when I first came across Daredevil. Um, Bullseye was, you know, always his his main antagonist um, in the comics. He's the one who is responsible for for murdering Elektra, um, you know, and one of the things I always loved about Bullseye was the fact that, um, as you said, Richard, he never misses a target. And also the fact that virtually anything in his hands was a deadly weapon because he was so skilled. So he would literally could kill people with playing cards, which was one of the things he he, he does and is one of his kind of motifs. Um, and I always remember, you know, in, in the Frank Miller run, um, Bullseye just literally taking out rooms of, of guys with, with a deck of cards in his hand. Um, and yeah, just thinking like, this is fucking insane, man. Like, <laughs> this guy is incredible. Um, so if we get even, you know, half of that on in this season, then I'm going to be a very, very happy boy, man. Um, Dan, are you a, a, a binger? Do you like binge watch I, a I whole do, season? I do, I do kind of binge, yeah. Like, if, if it's a good one, then I can probably get through it in like a couple of days. Like, <laughs> I'll start on the Friday, finish it on the Saturday, or something like that. Because mm. mm. Richie, I know, I know you've said before on the podcast that you're you're kind of done with binging now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you still feel the same way about this one? Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely still feel the same way. I mean, it, we're back to thirteen episodes for this. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think so. You know, I haven't actually checked the schedule, but yeah, I think it is. In fact, you know what? Listen, this whole thing they were talking about doing ten episodes. Let, let's just be, let's just be brutally honest. Yeah, they only did it for Iron Fist. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. They only did it for Iron Fist. Um, but yeah, I I still feel the same. I, I I like I said, I enjoy watching the thirteen episodes, but I I feel that I I start to zone out. Let's say like 
you know, because I'm I'm one of those people that I I can go without sleep for like for a, a good few days if I'm not careful. But what happens is that you you know you sit down and you start to do other things. So you like you know I'm looking at my phone, or I'm looking at my tablet, or I'm hmm. on the chin up bar, or doing push ups or whatever. And so like I ended up having conversations with people who would like watch the show and they were like, "Do you remember this bit?" And I was like, "Nope." And then I have a flashback <laughs> and it's like five minutes missing from an episode. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that time when I was doing a handstand." Oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so um, I'm I'm definitely gonna try and limit myself i think the last thing i watched which was which which funny enough was iron fist i think i did maybe two i did in like two three episodes you know bouts so yeah uh, and i mean that, that that i that i found it a lot easier now, and i took a lot more in so yeah mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense man that makes sense well as said listeners um daredevil will be out with us at, at the time of recording it, it should be out in a couple of hours um, for those of you, I think the Australians have it already, uh, I think, um, because obviously with the time difference and stuff, they they get it straight away. So so if you're listening to us down under, um, then, yeah, make sure you let us know what you think of the show as well. Um, but, yeah, let's move on because uh, Richard mentioned Iron Fist and recently we got some big news. In fact, it was just a couple of days ago. Um, that Marvel and, and Netflix have taken the decision to cancel Daredevil. Um, sorry, not Daredevil, Iron Fist. Um, and I mean, this news has kind of, I guess, come as a surprise to to nobody, really. Um, <laughs> because I mean, what what did you guys think of Iron Fist season two? Then season two, I mean, I I thought was better than season one. Yeah. But the thing is, when I looked at it, was that really saying much? I don't know, because I thought <laughs> Iron Fist a, 1 was yeah. a catastrophe. It really was a catastrophe. Um, and I mean, well, I'll let Richard speak, because Iron Fist is actually a, ca- a character that, that is very close to Richard's heart. Um, so, yeah, let, <laughs> Richard could tell you kind of how he felt about Iron Fist. But Richard, go ahead. You see, you keep on setting me up. <laughs> Every time I think I'm free, you keep on dragging me back in. <laughs> um, yeah, like we said, I mean, it, it was an improvement on a really, I mean, like you said, like we're not going to beat around the bush, especially in hindsight as well. Like it was, a, it was a very, very big improvement on probably one of the worst TV shows I've ever watched. Mm. Like, like, and I mean, it's one of those things where season one, was so bad that the only reason I watched it is because I kept on saying to myself, well, you know what? The martial arts is kind of shit, but maybe they're just saving the big, bad, baddest, you know, the, the baddest martial arts fight for the end of the, for the, for the last episode. Because in my heart, it, or my understanding of the genre of martial arts, that's how it is. I mean, let's, you know, once again, we're not going to try and badmouth a, 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 any type of particular genre or film, but the majority of martial arts that we watch, if it's an hour and a half, an hour and a half of it is pure nonsense, and the last half hour is when we get is when we get to the nitty gritty. Watch yeah. any Bruce Lee film; they are enjoyable, but you can't wait for Bruce Lee to get that top off and start doing a what all. Like <laughs> no, we can sit through nonsense to get to that. And um, so in where season two had basically, you know, made the big improvements, it 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 wasn't. It's not something that was that hard compared to season one Mm -hmm. that's number one and the way how season one was so bad even though season two was an improvement it seemed the best way to put it is that it was too little too late okay Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's in my personal opinion that that's number one 
and and it's one of those things where like like where I'm such an Iron Fist fan. One of the things that I did say when they were, when they announced when they were making these Netflix TV shows was they're going to have the hardest time with the character of Iron Fist because there's mysticism related to the character. Mm. So there's magic, there's dragons, you know, there's different dimensions. Whereas like, okay, Daredevil can deal with the hands, but in essence, you can kind of keep the hands as just straight up and down ninjas yeah. and not bring any form of magic into it. And you can get away with that. Luke Cage, he's a bulletproof man. You can believe that because in other parts of the Marvel Universe, you know, there's gods with, flight, gods with hammers and super mm. soldiers. So everything can kind of be tied to the same, you know, realism that, we're, that we've already been exposed to. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, obviously, with Doctor Strange, in, in that's, that was introduced, Iron Fist could still work, but you still need to take into account that it's, it's a TV show. So you've got to start thinking of things like budget. You've got to start, start thinking of things like, you know, you know what type of storyline are you going to tell? And I just think they just they just missed the mark. And season two, they did they did try and improve in it. They brought in like a new choreographer, Clayton Barber. But once again, like I heard his name, I did my research, and the, I'm not trying to say that he's bad, but what I'd seen him do before, I wasn't super impressed with the martial arts that I was used to. So okay. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. So he was the Clayton Barber was the choreographer for Black Panther. And if I don't, if you ever listen, if you ever listen to our review, like the martial arts in Black Panther was one of the weaker aspects of the film for me. Mm. The emotional content behind the fighting was good, but the actual choreography, I was not impressed at all. Like I, I've seen better martial arts, and in, in like on some of the best episodes of like Power Rangers. <laughs> um, and I'm and I'm being serious. Like you've got you've got um, martial arts choreographers like Koichi Sakamoto, who does you know who does who did like the choreography for another. Um, one of our favorite um, favorite martial arts films called Drive. So as much as people make fun of some of these shows, like you can see the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that they put into it. And I never get that. I never got it from Iron Fist season one, and I still didn't get it from Iron Fist season two in relation to Finn Jones. Yeah, yeah. And that right. and that's where it failed. Yeah. yeah. If Finn Finn Jones is the weakest link in in, in season two. Let, let, let's just be honest. Yeah, I, um, I, th- I thought they improved his character. Well. Uh, like as you said, it's it's a it wasn't a high bar to set anyway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, I thought they did improve his character in um season two. Um, they they improved it. They improved it. I mean, you know, in fact, you know, I've actually spoken too too much. So let's like, let's all just chime in because like I can like, listen. I can talk about I can talk for days about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did do um a, a review of of Iron Fist season two, and by the way, mm. folks, we haven't forgotten about the other shows. Um, it's just we haven't had time, but we will be getting on to Jessica Jones season two and, and Luke K season two soon as well. So watch your space. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like uh, Iron Fist season two, as, as Rich said, it it was um, an improvement for sure. But um, he also hit the nail on the head in that Danny mm. was was kind of the weakest link in the show, really. Mm. Um, everybody else was kind of better than him. Um, yeah. Not just from a martial arts point of view, but also just as a character. Really, it felt to me that the other characters were, were um, you know, were stronger, and their motivations made more sense to me than than Danny's did. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the things we brought up in our review was that, and, and certainly from from my perspective as as somebody who who read a lot of um, Heroes for Hire and and Power Man and Iron Fist back in the day, uh, in the comic books. You know, it felt to me like when he appeared on on Luke Cage season two, in in his cameo 
like that felt like the Iron Fist I'd been waiting for for you know for ages from when they said they were making an Iron Fist TV show um because it just felt like the Luke Cage writers kind of got who he was and what his strengths are and how you know and how well he he kind of um plays the 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 slightly kind of hippie laid back kind of you know um zen little bit of a jokester martial artist mm. um which is what he 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 is from you know the original comic books and, and things like that that i read growing up so to me you know i always when me and rich saw that that scene we were kind of like well why can't they do that for iron fist the show like why do they keep changing his character in this show to make him so dour and and over serious and yeah, you know, and, and that's not to say that you can't have those elements to his character. Of course, he should be three dimensional, so you know he shouldn't just be walking around being a prankster the whole time. But there was no, there was no swagger to him. You know, it was always just kind of like almost as if he was uncomfortable um, within himself. The the character of Danny Rand and Finn Jones, it just it just seemed like there wasn't any comfort there. And um, I think that for me was was what was the biggest kind of letdown, really. And as said, especially when I saw his cameo in in Luke Cage season two, and and how well, um, you know, the writers handled his character in in the episode that he features in. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, anyway, as said, they they've decided they're obviously not going to produce any more um, seasons, individual seasons for Iron Fist, although the wording is quite tricky on the press release because it makes it sound like they're just not doing it on Netflix anymore, which led to some speculation that he may appear on Disney streaming service, which is due to start next year, um, which is going to need additional content, obviously, and and, and original content for it. So um, I guess my question to both of you would be, what would you prefer to see? Would you prefer to see um, an Iron Fist season three on Disney streaming app? Or would you prefer to see Iron Fist kept as a character that appears in, say, Luke Cage and, and maybe in some of the other shows and maybe even a Heroes for Hire spinoff? Mm. You know, how would you guys feel about that? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, I sorry. Mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, personally, like, so like before it got cancelled, like, because I actually, I actually enjoyed season two. Like, um, it, it it sort of took Iron Fist up to like a level where I was like, ah, oh, I I could actually see myself wanting to see season three. Mm. Um, especially how it ended. I won't say how it ended, but mm. I wanted to see like how they continued that story. Um, but then when it got cancelled, I was like, oh, okay. Um, so they must be. I guess gonna put him in a Luke Cage season, like series, and do like a Heroes for Hire. So, I think, I think that would probably be the more the more logical solution to like put them two together. Mm. And and I think for some people as well, Luke Cage is probably one of the weaker characters as well. So to maybe put the two of them together might help to like boost boost the ratings, boost the yeah. I don't know. Oh. Um, Rich, how about you, man? I mean, wh- where do you see the future for him? And would you prefer to see him in his own show again on, say, Disney's platform? Or, or would you would you kind of keep him as a guest appearance for, for now? See, see, I wouldn't mind. T- t- to be honest, I wouldn't mind if he just does a guest star or has his own show. But I think 
they would, and this isn't a personal thing, but I think they would need to recast um, Finn Jones. Recast uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah, recast yeah. Iron Fist. Yeah, okay. they, 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 they would need. Sorry, they would need to recast um, Finn Jones, who plays Danny Rand Iron Fist. Sorry, hmm. um, listeners out there. Um, and I, I just think, and it's not because I don't think he's a good actor or or that I think he's a bad actor. Um, he's, I mean, he he's clearly been in other things, which is which is he's been which he's been decent or been good in, and he's on his CV right now. I'm sure it says that he's an actor, so and he's getting steady work, so he's doing something right. But sometimes you just, I think, you just need to admit when somebody isn't built to play a character. Um, I remember when they were filming, I think Paddington, the first one, mm-hmm. and I think it was was it Colin Firth that was meant to be the voice of Paddington. I think he was, yeah. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and and they, I think they got like halfway through, or quarter of a way through, and he decided to just pull out, and he was just like, yeah, I just don't think I'm doing a good enough job. I'm I'm just not for this, and so like, and he and he just like said, okay, listen, like, can you just take me off? And that's how they got Ben Wimshaw in, who plays um Q from the new um from the what well, the most recent um James Bond films with Daniel Craig, and um and I think and and I remember reading that and going like, you know, what? good on you. Like sometimes. Like, because I think being an actor, and when I say actor, I mean like whether you're male or female. I think being a, an actor, like, is very much about ego. But at the same time, you need to know whether you're able to do the job or not. Much mm-hmm. like anything in life, I think. And when I was seeing Finn Jones and how, like I said, this is all based off of a personal opinion. I follow Finn Jones on like you know social media, like Instagram and things like that. And I follow a lot of the cast from like the Netflix TV shows. And whenever it was coming up to their shows season to be released on netflix they would start posting like videos and mm. pictures and you know like and, and everything like that and where iron fist is basically a martial arts based show you had jessica henwick you know showing where she's practicing for stunts you had the guy who plays sasha the guy who plays davos yeah. you know doing the same thing even down to misty night i don't remember seeing one video or <laughs> one picture of finn jones it's training true. it's true he was just he was just basically jet setting like i said this is my what i see I'm not saying this is what he was doing. So Finn Jones, if you're listening, number one, welcome. Number two, this isn't a personal dig. Um, mm-hmm. But I just remember seeing him going around jet setting and playing like disco, disco funky house records. And when I see that and then I see the show and I see how everybody has stepped up their game in relation to the martial arts and the acting, I then look at him and I'm like, you have stepped up your game, but you haven't approached it like how you should approach it like you should be the most standout thing in this show and you just seem to be taking it like you know taking it in a stride so i think if no matter where i see iron fist whether it's on disney disney or whether it's like a team up i think they'd need to re- recast the recast actual character like like finn, finn jones has had his chance he's had his chance what four times and three times he's we could say that he's actually done right and once he's just done like pretty shit Come on, man. Let's just give it a rest now. <laughs> well, Finn Jones, if you are listening, please don't set the lawyers on us. Yeah? We ain't got the money to fight the case, man. We ain't. It's all good. Whatever you heard before, you misheard it. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what the future kind of should hold, really. I mean, I think I would like to see... Again, just because, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Luke Cage, I would like to see um, him appear there and, and do some Heroes for Hire stuff. Um, but I also want, you know, uh, and me and Richard talked about this a little while back, Dan, but, um, mm. 
you know, I really want to see a, a Daughter of the Dragon show as well. Yeah. Um, I because I love, you know, the way uh, Missy Knight played by Simo Missy, you know, uh, um, I love the way that character is portrayed in these series. And um, I'm just in love with uh, Jessica Henwick as well. I think she's amazing. And if you're listening, Jessica, call me. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really do think they they make a good partnership. Um, and that was one of the high points for me of, of Iron Fist season two was yeah. the two of them and, and the way that they work together. Um, and I think a, sh- a show featuring them two could really, really, um, really work well. So, yeah, that's something I would like to see. But as for Iron Fist, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean maybe we'll get another series on on the disney streaming channel when that eventually gets up and running but um yeah who knows man who, who knows as said rich might be right and they might well just decide you know what sorry we gave you two goes and it didn't work see you later no. um and that's that so yeah i guess we have to wait and see what the future holds on that one um but let's move on we got a, a trailer recently as well for the Disney live action remake of uh, the animated movie Aladdin, a, a much beloved um, animated movie. I mean, for me, I remember my little sister had two favorite movies and they were Aladdin and Lion King and she watched them two VHSs back to back. And obviously me being the good big brother that I was, I sat through and watched them all with her. Um, and I pretty much feel confident that I can quote like loads of stuff from, from both. <laughs> from Aladdin and Lion King um, and yeah we finally got our first look at, at, at the Aladdin movie um, what did you think of the trailer Dan did you did you see it I saw it yeah I saw it um, so it was a, it's a teaser trailer isn't it so mm. it doesn't give away too much um, but you know from what they showed off it looks it looks all right um, as I said it didn't show too much so I can't really give like a full opinion on it but yeah mm. it looks all right from what I've seen um, I think having having Will Smith's voice as the genie um, will be a good a good thing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Mm. Yeah, I think Will Smith as the genie is very much going to be the deal breaker for yeah. for people, really, um, because Robin Williams, um, you know, performance is so loved. It's um, it's stepping into big shoes, so mm, yeah, yeah exactly. he's he's, he's exactly. really. You know, the, he's really going to have to to pull out the big ones to mm. to win over. I think the older audience, I think a new audience, and you know, a new generation of kids are are going to love it. But um, yeah, there'll definitely be some some work to do on that part. But yeah. but yeah, as you said, it's a teaser, so we couldn't really judge you know too much from it. Um, but I did see you know quite a bit of griping online uh, where people were you know complaining that there was yet another you know live action remake <laughs> from Disney. Yeah. Um, and you know, we—I mean, to, off the top of my head, I can only think that we've got like Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book, Jungle Book yeah. that have come out recently. Um, so they're the only kind of ones that I can think of now. But I know, we, mm-hmm. obviously, we have Mary Poppins remake coming. Um, you know, we have uh, Dumbo, King. The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, they had Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh just came out as well. Yes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so we had Winnie the Pooh as well. There's a Mulan remake in production as mm-hmm. we speak as well. Um, and yeah, there were a few people kind of saying, "Oh, you know, Disney are not have run out of ideas and they're just kind of remaking stuff." 
Um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, the, the question is, are they remaking too much stuff? Is Are they just kind of, you know, are, are they kind of peddling on nostalgia a bit too much and, and not trying to generate new mm. or, or original stories? Although I suppose, you know, a lot of these animations are based on classic stories anyway. But, um, you know, the, the, the feeling is that they're, they're being a bit lazy and just going for the easy cash cows in, in some corners. Um so I, I just wanted to know how you guys feel about that. I mean, Rich, how do you feel? Do you feel Disney are pushing it a bit with all of these remakes that they've slide, uh, lined up? I, I think I think they are. Um, but it's one of those things like, I'm, I'm one of those, I think, an anomaly where I, I don't love every single Disney movie. I, mm. I don't. So it doesn't bother me because like the Jungle, the Jungle Book remake, the live action one, like I like the original, but it's not like oh my god, Jungle Book's on, you know? Yeah, uh, like <laughs> I just, I just watched it because I now have like uh, have like a little son, so like I got him to watch the cartoon, then I got him to watch the live action version, and for me it was something that was more in the background. Aladdin and Lion King are like two of my favorites, so I will go and see those and like and just hope that the live action lives up to the animated. But in regards to just like churning out live action versions of animated movies that are, that are already there uh, it does uh, i can see why people are saying it does feel like a bit of a cop-out um mm. you know like you know you know disney is known i mean is disney is like that that the steven spielberg for like the animated world you know in the west like you know all, everybody whether you're a man or child or woman you know like it disney films they, they touch us deep inside our soul and so mm. To you know, have your favorite costume then made into a live action version, and and it comes out rubbish, because I, me personally, I was impressed with the line with the Jungle Book live action, you know that that's gonna it's gonna leave a bad taste in certain people's mouths. But um, that's what happens when you're a fanboy or a fangirl. You just gotta sometimes just let it go. But um, <laughs> to, yeah, no, did, you, let it go, man. <laughs> did you did you just deliberately put in a fucking Frozen line into this? <laughs> Oh, you know what? I didn't even notice that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out here punning and you don't even realise it. <laughs> I don't, listen, I'm just that damn good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, is it? But is it a bit? Is it a bit lazy? I suppose it is. But then in saying that, if they turned around today and said they're gonna do a live action version of The Incredibles, I'd be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> although that's Pixar, so yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would I would like to see some original stuff coming out from Disney right now, to to, to be honest as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, if you asked me that a few years ago, I would have said, Yeah, they, why are they doing it? They're just doing it for the money. I don't wanna see it. Mm. Um and then and then I watched the jungle book and I know you just said you didn't like the jungle book, but when yeah. I saw the Jungle Book, I thought it was wicked. I thought like, yeah, you know what, Disney, you do you do what you want to do. You do mm-hmm. you. I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. If it's good, I'll watch it. If it ain't, then like Beauty and the Beast, I was never a big fan of the like original movie, and yeah. I watched the live action one. I thought it was alright. You know, it's not mm. it's not really my thing, but you know, I thought it was watchable. Um, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Was was it too lovey dovey for you? Well, I won't judge you. I don't know. I don't know. It, it might be. It might just be because yeah. it's that story. It's like it's not really one for me. Like it wasn't a. Mm. It wasn't one of those movies that I watched um, when I was younger and thought, "Oh yeah, I really love this movie." Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the Jungle Book. I remember watching that when it was when it first came out, and um, then seeing the live action. I was thinking, "Are they going to actually like mess this up?" And I thought they did a good job. Um, 
So it, it kind of makes me feel like, all right, what are they going to do with The Lion King? What are they going to do with the Dumbo movie? You know, all these other movies, Aladdin. You know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what they can do with a live-action version. And I suppose, as well, like for the people that complain about it, there's a younger audience that's growing up now that who haven't seen those mm. movies back from back in the day. So they've got these movies to sort of be like, oh, who's, who's Aladdin? Let me watch this movie. Oh, there's an animated version of it as well. Let me watch that. So I think mm. it's, it's kind of, yes, Disney are trying to make money, but at the same time, it's like they're, they're sort of creating that new audience. They're bringing in that new audience and just sort of saying, look, this is, these are the franchises that we got. Come on board and hope you enjoy it sort of thing. Mm, so mm. yeah, that's that's my take on the whole live action yeah. thing. Anyway, no, no, fair enough, fair mm, enough. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is very smart strategy, as you said, from Disney's point of view, because uh, you know, as said, they're on the one hand, they're you know cashing in on on people's nostalgia from those mm. who who will remember the you know the original animated um, movies that came out, and whilst also reaching out to you know a new younger audience that probably wouldn't necessarily sit down and watch you know a 2d version of aladdin or beauty and the beast but but may well be sucked in by a live action version so you know it makes sense and i mean if it and if beauty and the beast box office numbers are anything to go by then yeah you know the audience is there because yeah that film made a shit ton of money so <laughs> well I, yeah. I remember when the teaser trailer came out like people were going crazy Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was just, just mad. It yeah, was like yeah. freaking what's it called? Like Fifty Shades of Grey, but for like kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would love to see a Fifty Shades of Grey fanfic version. Of <laughs> Beast, man. Hey, qu- question: You you guys were mentioning some of like um some of like the you know the live actions that are coming, mm. and obviously like I mean if you could pick one thing out of all of these live actions that you're looking forward to seeing. What, what would it be? So, like, you know, you mentioned, like, Will Smith being the genie, like, big shoes to fill, but obviously Will Smith's a big guy, you know, well, a big character. Um, so just as an example, but who do you guys choose? Um, or, what, or what would you guys choose? So what would you choose? Uh, for me, I mean, I would say Lion King. Um, yeah. Just because I have... Um, there's a special kind of emotional connection with the Lion King because it was as said one of the 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 kind of first films that i really sat down and watched with my younger sister um and because i remember the both of us crying when um mufasa gets killed even though i knew he got killed because i'd seen the lion king in the cinema um but you know there's certain moments from that film and songs like you know hakuna matata and things like that that i i I just want to there's part of me that just really wants to see that, you know, with, with big budget razzmatazz, not to say that the original, you know, animated movie didn't have that for the time. It certainly did. But, you know, given what today's technology and, and, and what today's performers are capable of, it, it just seems fascinating to me. So, um, you know, Lion King, I think for me is, is the one. Um, how about you, Dan? For me, it's probably, and I'm actually happy that they're making it, is Dumbo. Um mm. It's, uh, it's it's one of those movies that I remember watching like over and over. You know, you, there's movies you watched as a child that you just watched over and over and over again. Mm. Yeah, that that was probably the one for me that I watched like loads of times. And um, I'm a big Tim Burton fan, so the fact that he's actually making this movie as well, it's kind of like yeah, I want to see how he does it. Like it's gonna be sort of trippy. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be yeah, 
Dum- Dumbo for me is probably. I want to see how he how he sort of captures that animal movement and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing as <laughs> I was saying this to um, Richard when we were talking about this a, a, a couple of weeks ago. One thing we're definitely not going to see in that Dumbo remake is the crows. Because yeah, them, them crows, boy, you, you're not going to see them in this version. <laughs> that listen, no, listen. But, but that's that's why I asked this question because I want I want to see if they're going to do it. I can just imagine the crows with with, with maga maga hats on, like just, you can look like that. <laughs> with my Kanye, like, you know? <laughs> when I put this hat on, I feel like Superman. <laughs> you feel me, Dumbo? Dumbo, I feel like I can fly, man. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> Yeah, boy. So, uh, yeah, with, with that, we, we definitely won't see that. But, but yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they, they are all, that's the thing, as much as they are all remakes, they are all intriguing in their own way. You know, mm. there, there's, there's something about each one, um, like the Mulan version, I'm, I'm quite intrigued by as well. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, as I said, there's something intriguing about each one of those things and, and how they're, they're being used. Because isn't Donnie Yen in Mulan? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's he's been casting it, hasn't he? So yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, like the legend Donnie Yen is going to be in that as well. So you know, yeah, yeah. There's there, there's a reason for each one of them to to kind of have their own little bit of excitement about. I mean, even Mary Poppins. Like I know people were like the diehards were cussing the the trailer a bit, but I I enjoyed the trailer. And Mary Poppins isn't necessarily my favorite Disney movie, but you know, I watched the trailer and was like, okay, that looks pretty good. Like you know, it, it's Emily Blunt's not quite Julie Andrews, but who is Julie Andrews? You know, she's a, a legend in her own right, and mm. she's kind of doing her own thing with with the character, and and I kind of like what she's doing. So, yeah, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be good. And Lin uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's in it as well um, from Hamilton. So yeah, mm. it, it should be a good look, man. But yeah, let's um, start heading towards the end of this thing so we're rapidly approaching the finishing line so we're just gonna cover two more um talking talking topics um and we can keep this one brief because to be honest i I just put it in because it made me a little bit sad but um i'm sure a few of you will out there listening will know that um i believe it was in the september um yeah i think it was last month uh playstation in japan uh, officially announced that they're closing their help center for the PlayStation 2. Now, I'm sure some of you listening are thinking, what, it was still open? And yeah, it was. Um, so effectively, what they've done is is they've basically said, yeah, that's it for the PlayStation 2. No more support, nothing else. That console is is effectively dead now. Um, Dan, as, as a gamer and as somebody who I know loves um, games on, on different platforms, um what's your best kind of ps2 memory i mean did you did you My own best. a ps2 so i didn't so i owned a gamecube because i was like i've always been a nintendo guy mm. up until recently and i bought a ps4 but i was always a nintendo guy um but i do remember my friends having a ps2 um and i just remember like the buzz around sony and the playstation and um like games like metal gear gta and like the fighting games like tekken soul Calibur the street fighters that mm. was that was the console to have at the time mm. um for those type of experiences and you know you just you'd always go around to your friend's house or i'd always go around to my friend's house and 
grab a controller and we'd be sitting there playing Tekken. They'd be teaching me how to like parry the attacks and all that. And it was it was just a good time. That that mm. was I think that's what I remember the most about them. Those sort of days was um, just that sort of that buzz of playing playing together with your friends and um, those fighting games and all that sort of thing. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, as you said, it was it was one of those consoles, wasn't it? I mean, I think for the time, it was the best selling console yeah. in the world at, at, at the time because um, they shifted like ridiculous numbers worldwide. I think it was like four million or or something like that. So yeah, it was it was kind of crazy how popular the the PS2 became and how it became a cornerstone of of some people's lives. Um, I mean, for for me, the, you know, the the memories are always, again, based around specific games. But would be, um, you know, when Rich got uh, Metal Gear Solid. Um, no, sorry, Metal Gear Solid Two, because yeah, uh, Metal Gear yeah. Solid was on PS One. But yeah. uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, I remember because <laughs> we we um, I used to always go around to Rich's house like after college and stuff like that. Um, and you know, when the PS2 came out, it was like, oh, holy shit, like we, we've got to get that. <laughs> and I'm saying we, like I'm giving him money to put towards it to get it. I didn't, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, we got to get that. So when he got one, um, cause he got one before me, I was like, holy shit. Like, no, come on, get some games. He's like, what, what game are you getting? He's like, do you need to ask? I'm getting Metal Gear Solid 2. So he got the game and we played it and it was I remember the first time we put the game in because for some reason we didn't know that Raiden was going to be like the main character in the game. Mm. And I remember I was pissed. <laughs> I mean, Richard, Richard was cool with it, but I was like, no, nah, like, where's Snake? Where's Snake? <laughs> <laughs> where's Snake? Like, what kind of shit is this? Who's this guy? And why is he naked when you start the game? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, was just, I was just not happy with that. But, um, yeah, I think for me, um, the, the game that I, I love the most, because I still love it to this day, because it's now been transferred to next-gen consoles, is Yakuza. Um, you know, I've, I've spoken many times on, on Woolock Talks to the listeners. I know I've bored you constantly with talk of Yakuza, but um, I, I just love that game. That was where I, I first met um, Kazuma Kiryu, the, the lead character, and, um, you know, the way they were able to kind of realise... Um, modern tokyo in in that game and and use the the full power of of that console's capabilities was you know back then was just mind-blowing to me um just absolutely mind-blowing so that will always go down as as kind of the thing i remember you know about the, the ps2 that and the fact that it was so lightweight as well that you could just unplug it and then take it around to your friend's house and plug yeah. it in and, and play you know that was that was really cool man um richie how about you man um, I, I was actually going to say Metal Gear Solid 2 as well, mm. but um, but for me it was um, it was Devil May Cry. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the, the Devil May Cry games, like um, because I I, w- I would consider that the character of Dante as like as somewhat of a bit of a one of the mascots for Capcom. Mm. Um, and I like the fact that there was a continuing story for the character, and it was even like a prequel. I like that. Like, I, I like that thing of like they they invested in this character, and we're gonna continue telling a story, and each story got better. Like with the, I mean, with the story they were telling, apart from like you know Devil May Cry two, uh, but, but and and with the graphics as well, and like the the games just every game seemed to up itself, uh, uh, you know, compared to the last one, and and I and I like that. Um, there was that. There was 
Final Fantasy, um, Final Fantasy X, which was also an amazing game. It was the first Final Fantasy to have like a like, you know, the the cutscenes were like actually had voiceovers in it as well. Um, it, it's literally one. I think is is one of those machines that since like the PS3 has come out and Xbox has come out, people have forgotten how much of a leap the PS2 was, especially mm. com- especially compared to some of the consoles that were out there or try to come out. So, I mean, you had, like, the GameCube, you had, like, you know, you had the Dreamcast. But the PS2 just managed to, it managed to knock, bang the nail on the head just perfectly. And let's not even, discount, let's not even not, not forget that, you know, it was a DVD machine as well. I didn't mm-hmm. have a DVD machine. I had, a, I had that, and I thought I was the best. I thought I was the guy. I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> so you can come to my house. So, like, man them can come to my house and play PS2 games, and when they go... Chick them can come to my house and watch DVDs. <laughs> like, so before Netflix and chill, it was DVD and chill. And so, you know, and like, yeah. The, yeah, so I'd probably say those two games are the ones that I really, really hold, you know, like really like hold it close close to me because it, it was, it just, made, it, it just made me feel like the machine itself seemed like a step up from the machines that had come up. Mm. And they, it felt more adult than the PS1. And the games that they were releasing felt more adult as well. And like the, the, the way how it was marketed. And then the inclusion of being able to play DVDs made me feel more like an adult as well. Because it's like, well, I've got a DVD player. And at that point, DVD players are costing like £400 in a store. And, you know, you're getting, you know, a DVD player in a PS2 as well. So it was the first time you, I had like some form of like home entertainment system in my house. So mm. just everything about it was, was just, well, it was just perfectly perfectly done and then like you said there's a reason why it sold like forty-five thousand million billion units it's because <laughs> it, it was it was an amazing machine yeah. yes indeed yes indeed well um r.i.p to the ps2 you gave us all many happy memories rest in peace man all right um we're gonna wrap up but before we go um it is black history month over here in the uk um so you know for those of you celebrating big up yourself Um, And what we wanted to do just to kind of celebrate that a little bit is to tell you all some of our favorite black heroes. And and those were, you know, kind of people that we enjoyed as movie characters, TV characters, game characters, comic book characters, etc. And the things that I guess kind of inspired us to be the geeks that we are, really. Um, So, yeah, I mean... I don't know who wants to go first. <laughs> Who's ready? But um, Dan, uh, Dan, Dan, you, will want go me, first. you want me to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you want to guess? You want to guess? So the guest should go first. So go and guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me personally, I don't remember there being that many black. There were, like, there, there obviously there were black characters there, but I just, I was never aware of them growing up. Um, so like I used to read like X-Men comics and watch the cartoon and obviously you had Bishop in that um, so I tried to cling on to, to Bishop for like as long as I could sort of thing but I didn't really mm. know much about the character mm. um, like apart from when I'd see him here and there in an animated series or if I picked up a comic that he was in um, so I, I was more like just go with the flow like take any sort of character that came along um, and then it's only since recently that the MCU sort of brought in Black Panther. Mm. And I thought, all right, let me, let me do some research on who this guy is. And then, you know what? It stopped me and I was just like, you know what? This is the sort of character we need, like, that I needed growing up. Mm. And um, 
like just just knowing that he was this not just a superhero but like a king he was like intelligent it was like i would have liked to have known about characters like him when i was younger yeah so like for me that's like when when they when they brought out the black panther trailer i remember the first time i saw the trailer i was just like it stopped me and i was like yo this is this is dope this is this is some next level shit right here like i need this i need more of this basically um so for me like black panther is like up there as like my number one hero like black hero at the moment Mm. yeah cool cool um rich want to go next um i I think i'm gonna have to agree with dan like i said i mean i've always known about black characters um and i've been collecting comic books for years but um it wasn't until well tell a lie you know like i mean mean, the black panther in the movie really hammered it home to me how much people not just us as black people but like you know people need representation um but yeah but i i'd probably have to say that black panther i've been a fan of his a good few years um before before the film came out and that was because the person who was writing him was just was just a massive fan of him and i think it was um it wasn't bendis it was Jonathan Hickman. He's a he's a really really big um, Black Panther fan, mm. and for the first time when he started writing Black Panther as part of the as part of the New Avengers, he really just changed him from being that black character in the background who's just a king to someone who had a voice. Mm. And um and and I and there's one scene that always I always remember that really hammers it home, and it's, there's a bit where. Um, during the whole um, incursion that's going to happen in the Marvel Universe, where the universes are basically clashing together, mm. and they're going to say, "Listen, we we're going to use the Infinity Gauntlet to try and stop these, destroy one world to save our world." And Steve Rogers is basically saying, eh, "Well, I don't think that's a good thing because we're basically taking lives to save ours. That's selfish." And whereas, like Steve Rogers and Black Panther are friends, they end up having this one-to-one conversation, like you know, at, you know, on, on their base, just just by themselves and Steve Rogers is basically saying like you know like I, I view you as a friend we've been through so much together and I understand you as as a man and a, as a king that you'll understand where I'm coming from and I hope you make the right decision and then when it makes to the, when it comes to the to the actual bit where they all need to make the the votes as to whether they're going to destroy this other world to save ours like Black Panther you know he sides with everybody else as part you know who's part of the Illuminati and Steve Rogers looks at him and says like T'Challa even you and T'Challa turns around and is like, I understand everything that you said to me. And as a man, I, you know, I, I can't even disagree with you. But I am a king of a nation, of a country. Mm. You represent a people, but the people that I represent are my people. Yeah. So I need to make the right decision. And I just thought to myself, those few pages just had like had, I mean, as long as I've known Black Panther, those few pages where he had that little speech, I was like, fuck this guy's a real person mm. and i just felt that link to him and then obviously ever since then i've paid a lot more attention to him and, like, and i've tried to get everything that he's been in and then you get the film and then then you realize like you said like you know what like we can be superheroes too yeah and then it just it just knocks it home so i've always been fans of like at one point i was a fan of like Battlestar, you know or the falcon these are you know black superheroes but once again they're kind of like sidekicks and you know the black panther is the first time in a, in a long time who is just his own man. So I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, back up Dan and say, yeah, I definitely agree with you on, you know, on the way how Black Panthers like really made a difference uh, mm. for, you know, in black characters for me. 
Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Um, for me, I mean, it, it's 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 difficult because it, in a way I was always kind of made aware as a child um, the presence of, of black characters within, especially within like comic books. Um, you know, in, in the books that I kind of read, I, I didn't read many in, in the books that I read. Um, but, you know, in comic books in particular, because my, my grandfather was a, a collector, um, you know, he always was at pains to point characters out to me. So one of the books that um, I read early on in the, the days was uh, Suicide Squad. Um, and a, a prominent member of that was Bronze Tiger. Mm. And, um, you know, he always used to go on about Bronze Tiger, Bronze Tiger. And I was like, what's so good about Bronze Tiger, granddad? And he was like, well, he's black. He don't take no shit. And he beats people. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, he kind of um, was a character that I, I in the early days, I, I kind of gravitated towards. And then when I started to um, get into Marvel stuff, um, you know, as I, as I mentioned before, Power Man and Iron Fist was a, a really big book that I read. And, and because of that, I went back and started reading the uh, original Luke Cage. Um and that was a character that just resonated with me. Um, and then kind of the, the different iterations of, of Luke Cage um, kind of showed me how flexible the character and adaptable the character was. Um, although there was a period, you know, kind of sort of 90s where um, he became like a, a stereotype. And I, I really hated that, you know, um, because it didn't feel like the the Luke Cage that I was getting before. And then I think it was when um, he kind of fell into the hands of, of Brian Michael Bendis when he started his um, New Avengers run. Um, and he included Luke as, as the leader of the team. Um, that's when I kind of saw a different side to him. And also when he, he was writing... Um, the Alias series, which um, Jessica Jones, the, the Netflix TV show is based on, um, you know, when he appears in that, um, when he first appears, he he's very guarded and defensive and the relationship between him and Jessica is, is basically just a physical one and very kind of animalistic as well. And I was a bit kind of, it left a bit of a weird taste in my mouth, but I decided to persevere with the book because I, I really fell in love with the Jessica Jones character at that point. And then as the story went on, um, you know, and Jessica kind of explains to, to Luke what happened to her with um, the Purple Man um, and the way kind of Luke changes completely as a, as, a, as a character, all of his kind of guards go down and you begin to, to see um, the humanity behind him. That was when I was like, like, damn, I, I, like, I actually love this character. And I really like identify with him because he, you know, he came across as, as I said, a very cold and distant character at certain points because he was protecting himself emotionally, um, you know, because he is this big black man in this world, which will view him a certain way. But, you know, when another character reached out to him and, and showed a side of herself that she hadn't shown to anybody in the Marvel universe at that point, um, he recognized that for what it is, and his instant instinct was to offer comfort um, and support to her, and and that's where kind of their relationship develops, and then they you know get married and have the kid and so on and so forth. But um, you know, for me, that was kind of the, the the character that really showed to me that the black 
characters could be three dimensional and can have complexities and could be, you know, strong and aggressive, but could also be deep and meaningful and could also be um, caring and loving. And, you know, that's kind of the the type of writing that I've always wanted for, for black heroes that I come across. So for me, you know, I think that would be the one. But an honourable mention as well must go to um, Storm because I, I, I just loved Storm, especially from Jim Lee's um, X-Men books. Um, I love the way he wrote her, and especially from the animated show as well, because she was so ridiculously like overdramatic <laughs> in <her> language. <laughs> it's like somebody on Twitter recently put together like a, a compilation video of all of her most overdramatic moments, and it's just gold. It's absolute <laughs> gold. It's that. Uh, it's constant wind swiping <laughs> away over their feet, lightning <laughs> will purge the skies, and it's just like it's it's hilarious. But I love it. Um, so yeah, special mention to, to Storm as well, um, and to Spectrum as well. Um, Spectrum was a, a character I, I kind of really got into. Um, Spectrum, for those of you that don't know, at one point was uh, a captain, was a person to hold the Captain Marvel mantle. Um, and she reappeared in the Ultimates uh, comics. When, when did the Ultimates come out again, Rich? Was that like last year or the year before? Oh, yeah, no, it was last year. Last year, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that got cancelled, didn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I think, in fact, I think it was like, what were we, 2018 right now? So yeah. it's probably like 2016 into 2017. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, 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 they ended up having two volumes. And I think, I actually think at one point she might have even been like the, the, the leader of like the, of the Ultimates, if I remember mm. correctly. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a character that, I really love as well. And we'll get to see her soon as well, listeners. Um, the, the character will appear in Captain Marvel, the movie that's going to be coming out next year. Um, we'll see her mother first, and I believe that we, we see her as a child um, in the Captain Marvel movie. But we'll get into all of that when it's time to, to talk Captain Marvel. But, yeah, I think that will do it for us, man. We've been talking for a little while, um, and my throat feels just dry as hell, so I need to go get some water. <laughs> but... <laughs> But before we go, um, Dan, I must thank you once again for popping on the show with us, man. Um, yeah, it's always great me. to have an, an extra person on here. And um, as said at the top of the show, you know, big fans of what you do. So, yeah, you know, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where can people find you at if they want to check out, like, the, the blog and stuff? Um, so I'm on YouTube, um, Dan's Distillery. I'm, there's also a blog, um, dansdistillery.blogspot.co.uk. Um, I'm on Twitter as well, Twitter, Facebook, all the all the usual social media stuff, I guess you could say. But yeah, I'm I'm usually more more on Twitter and uh, YouTube. Wicked, wicked. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, listeners, what I'll do anyway is, um, as I usually do, is I'll I'll put some links up in the the show notes and stuff as well when we're done with this. So. Um, if you do want to find out more about Dan, um, you'll just be able to click on the links that will be in the show notes and they'll take you directly to his YouTube page um, and to his Twitter as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, apart from, oh, yes, I must, of course, uh, say our usual thank yous as well. Um, firstly, to Rob from Emotionally 14. Uh, our podcast is Emotionally 14 endorsed now. Uh, what does that mean? Well, click on the links in the show notes and you'll be able to find out. Um, and a big thank you as well to the, all the crew from the Brit Pod scene. I was able to host a, an episode of, of their show recently, and, and that was a lot of fun. 
Um, so go and check them out as well. You'll find them at www.britpodscene.com. Um, and yes, of course, before we go as well, I must mention that we are still continuing the Bebop Rewatch podcast. That is our Cowboy Bebop uh, featured show. Um, Dan, you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop? I've never seen it. Ah, you're what? slipping. You're slipping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, put Spider-Man down, not because I'm jealous. Cowboy Bebop, as, as far as we're concerned, is the greatest anime show ever made. Ah, okay. um, yeah. And we've been doing a, a podcast where we've been re-watching it episode by episode. Um, we recently released session six. Um, called Sympathy for the Devil, which was just crazy and a bit of a head fuck. But um, we've got another session coming up for you guys soon as well. So look out for that. And that will be up on the podcast channels very soon. Okay, that's it for me. I'm going to say goodnight. Rich, say goodnight. Goodnight. And Dan, say goodnight. Goodnight. And we're out here, people. Take care of yourselves. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 